0: Hockey's is dropped and we are underway. Yeah, uh, yes. Episode 45, Cool Button Hockey Podcast. It's an exciting time of the year. We're basically two weeks to the deadline, two months in the regular season, playoffs in May. Oh, it's an exciting time. I asked players this, Craig, at this time of the year, if they miss it. I'm going to ask you as a former manager if you missed it or do you say, Cooley, I always miss it, my friend, because it's so exciting when you're job does rely on wins and losses you've lived it 95 percent of our listeners don't know what that's like what's it like Craig well, well the bottom line is is you miss it all like it's not
1: just uh, the playoffs I mean it ramps up right like like you, you ask somebody what do you miss more August 25th or December 25th well it's going to be December 25th because it's Christmas right and there's gifts and the playoffs offer a different level of Uh, of excitement and a different level of of competitive entertainment. So you, you, you ramp up, but you miss it all. And at this time of the year, you know, you look at teams that are trying to uh, figure out what are we going to do? What do we need? How, how do we get our team stronger? Other teams going, Oh, I'd like to make the playoffs. Uh, Should I make a move or should I get something for my free agents? Right. And then you got your other teams that are going next
0: year. Can't come soon enough. It's always great how the future is bright for the losers. You know, I was watching oh. a game over the weekend and this prospect and this prospect and this, and it's, oh. all, it's all roses. It's all great. And don't worry about our finish. It's all going to be great selling hope for the future. And I get it. And if I was a hometown broadcaster, I would do the same. It's funny how all the things different uh, perspectives from in the crease to an offside challenge, depending where you are on. It's like the teacher... And the student, the teenager and the parent, Craig, I I think it's funny and it's perspective to kind of uh, figure out what's going on. As long as we realize the big picture, we can say, oh, no wonder they think it's no goal. They work for blank. And that's that's what the younger kids we need to teach them, I guess. Right.
1: Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, that's fine. I mean, you know, why do you study in school? Because you, you you want to pass your final exams, because you, you you don't want all your friends to go on to the next grade and you're left behind, right? Well, that's uh, that's a lot of the NHL teams are left behind, right? And like again, Buffalo Sabers, like imagine poor Rick Genret, like like I mean, he he starts with an enthusiastic uh, beat in his voice and everything. Eleven years, eleven years. That's what it's been for Rick Genret, and it's not eleven years being close to the playoffs. Like they're out by November. <laughs> Like it's awful like so keep talking about the prospects you know what you know what the job is it's to get prospects and it's to have good players on your team it's to have good goaltending good coaching and everything right so when you got teams that are 11 years in the wilderness oh boy keep talking about your prospects it's great
0: yeah so before we get into certain specifics on trade deadlines certain teams because there's a lot of intrigue and excitement we in an era had 21 teams in the league and 16 made it, you know, Gretzky's Oilers won game one and they had already won the Smythe division. They were making the playoffs. Only five teams missed the playoffs. And then we got to, well, 22, 24, 26, 30, 31. We're at 32 right now. Big picture. Can you see the managers of those eight, nine, 10, 11s, you know gary you know the nba the 710 idea revenues and everything else uh, playing games and 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 i do not want to touch four rounds 16 teams i don't care if we've got 21 teams i don't care if we got 121 teams 16 is it four rounds i am drawing a line mr button that's enough four rounds of playoffs two months a are you with me on that and b could you see certain managers saying this play in format Gary revenues it's a good idea where do you stand on these two issues well i mean number one you nailed you nailed it so 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 you can
1: understand we because of the uh, revenues right that's what they're that's what they're after all about a revenue more revenue more 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 money in the in a kitty so that's what they're trying to achieve here right so i, I understand that right but like you know what 16 team you have 82 games you have 82 games during the regular season to get in the playoffs right like so, one I get the argument for more revenues and what you're trying to do, but the other one, like I mean, okay, so you're the tenth place team. Okay, good. So you get two games in the playoffs and you're out. <laughs> like, what do you want to do? Prolong the agony? Like, you go to the, after the dentist fills the cavity, right? And the and the uh, and the and the painkillers wearing off. You go, hey, like you know what? Like, just go back in there again and like just give me a little more of a shot. Like, the, I think you missed the spot, right? Like, I mean, give me a break. Two more games. It's all, it would only be about revenue. It's not about competitiveness or making the playoffs. It's all about revenues. So, call it for what it is. We want to make more money, so we're going to keep our regular season open for another three games, potentially, and we'll make a little more money. But it doesn't. I mean, the 10th place team, give me a
0: break. I know, and there's people that like it. Uh, your good colleague, uh, Pierre LeBron, wants a 7-10 play-in game, get those two games and everything else, and uh, I worry sometimes there's a lot of voices in the room. And if we're going to have, you know, expanded playoffs at a time, we're so excited about talking about the playoffs and what they're going to do is they're not going to use the West as an example. They're going to use the East and say, in this case, it would be allowing the Detroit's and Columbuses in to make 10 teams in the playoffs. We're clearly the line in the East is eight right now. It's, you know, to get to Harvard, you need this mark. Oh, let's just lower our standards. I hope we're not doing that, Craig. And do you remember when and why we went to the wildcard format? Is just is this brackets? Is it all just brackets? Because some guy in the New York office said, if we do this and we have these teams here, then we can bracket format. And Americans understand that because I don't like the wild card. I want one eight two seven three six for all the right reasons. I'm not a wildcard guy. I know it's not changing. That is something I'd want to change. Not expanding the playoffs, but going one, eight, two, seven, three, six, four, five. Where are you? Yeah, well, I mean, essentially what we're trying to do, like, I mean, I think it's a twofold issue.
1: You're playing within your division a little bit more, not very much, right? But a little bit more, right? So like open it up. Like you want to have divisional play. I get that, right? But I'm with you. I mean, the whole idea—the of the wild card—was okay. The top three teams, and then we don't want to leave potentially a team out. It became straight math, like a good team that got penalized. So, we, there's been a few times where we've had the the four, the the first and second wild card come from the same division, right? But I think we should be going one eight, two seven, three six, four five, I, I, I in each conference, and you know, and if you want to receive, fine. If you don't want to recede into brackets, do that. But. I, I like the one eight. I, I want my first place team to be rewarded to the greatest extent possible.
0: Yeah. And it, it puts extra value on the regular season and and for all the right reasons. And just to have two wild cards. And if the wild cards are in their own division, anyway, you've got the same thing and people are like, Oh, so Washington's a wild card, but they're playing Caroline anyway. Yeah. Oh, Okay and it's, it doesn't make sense. And I do think that having different play as much as we talk about divisional play, having teams meet in a two seven that otherwise haven't met is where we can start some other new rivalries on, you know, future playoff performances. So it just makes sense. It's not issue number one, but what is an issue are, are the races? Are you willing to concede anything right now as it relates to let's start in the east are we saying that carolina will win the metropolitan division that the rangers and penguins will play in a 2-3-3-2 first round matchup um the bruins are surging and the leafs are slumping so as we're approaching 60 games are you willing to put your flag in the moon and say i'm willing to guarantee this let's focus on the east first
1: well, it's so interesting because you have surges, right? You have, you know, it's not like it's a big I know the gap is what 8377 now, Carolina, Pittsburgh. So, you know, the, the gap, like it doesn't sound like a lot, but it's pretty significant, right? So what I would say is is that Carolina right now looks like the not the like the 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 winner in that division, right? So they're them and either Florida or Tampa Bay, Florida or Tampa Bay are winning in the Atlanta. <laughs> like, I mean, I think that's pretty clear now. So whoever finishes in first is going to get the wild card. How about the poor Toronto Maple Leafs, Steve? Like they're looking at it and going, well, because where they're at now, even if Boston passes them, they're still going to get Tampa Bay or Florida, <laughs> because Washington is going to be the is going to be the second wild card. So it's gonna it's gonna end up being divisional anyway. And you know, like it, it's not going to help Toronto to finish behind Boston because they're going to face one of those two teams anyway. But that's what it looks like right now down the stretch. So here's what I think. Guarantee as a manager, you look at it and you go, Oh my Lord, this is what I got to do to win the the first round. It's so incredibly hard to win Steve. We talk about how difficult, how, how fun it is. And, you know, we're all glued to the TV eight series going on. So when you're in a manager, you no, know, oh, I'm going to play against this team or that team or that team or this team. And you're not trying to do everything you can to fortify your team. Like, I mean, I know how, can, how, how can it get any clearer? Like, you're not preparing for the second round because the second round is after. The first round becomes clear, as clear as day. So managers not, not looking at it and understanding, hey, here's what we need to win. Because the first focus has to be the first round. And so to me, when I look at, we know who the eight teams are in the playoffs in the East. And really right now, it's, it's Tampa, Florida, Florida, Tampa. It looks like Carolina. You asked me if I'm going to guarantee, right? Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh Rangers matchup in the, in, the, in the first rally. Like, like, I mean, it's pretty much set up, right? Like, so now we head to the trade deadline. How can managers not really, whoa, here's who I got to play? Okay.
0: Yeah, and I'm with you on that. I'm, I'm willing to guarantee the assignment desk wants to go first at the election. They want to be the first to say it's going uh-huh. to be, uh, you know, wishful thinking, a conservative majority government. Here we go. The assignment desk is in. It's Pittsburgh, and it's the Rangers who's home ice the capitals will finish fourth carolina wins but do they win the conference or just the division the intrigue is the two florida teams and then the other two losers of what toronto and boston are doing so the leafs are leaking oil right now they're leaking they need a pit stop they're they want a flag they they want the to look over and say there's a flag oh we got to get into the pits and the bruins are coming on right now what does this mean as we approach game 60 but more importantly for these two teams what does it mean over the next two weeks? If you're Kyle Dubas, as an example, where are you now? Is, is this good news? We need a goalie and a defenseman. And, or are you saying, oh, my God, what I thought about my team earlier might not be true because right now he's approaching the dead. dead. It looks desperate in Toronto to me. It looks like this is, you're, you're limping into the pits and you need help from your pit crew. That's what I see.
1: Well, here's what I was say in Toronto. It's a crisis of confidence in the crease, <laughs> and and that's what it is. And it's not. It's both of them. It's both of them. So you know, you're you're sitting down and you're trying to go. You're Kyle Dubas. You're trying to assess. Okay, what do we do? Well, the first thing you got to do is, is try to get Peter Morazic and Jack Campbell's games in order, like internally. Then you explore what else is out there. I mean, what, what fascinates me. And I, I mean, Cal Dubas should be coming out and saying, "Yeah, we got a big, we got a big uh, problem." And that's like, you know, I get what he's saying, right? But like, you know, but don't be fooled by by, by the problems that uh, plagued the Toronto Maple Leafs and like the Edmonton Oilers. It's not all goaltending, but it's eighty percent goaltending. <laughs> like, so like, I can understand what is other think, You know, they're trying Nick Robertson with Tavares and Nylander, right? I don't care who you put there. I don't care what defenseman you get. If your goaltending remains at the level it is, you're done. You're finished. You're over in the first round. You're not going anywhere. So that's where Kyle Dubas's efforts and energies have to be spent. The Boston Bruins are on a very different level. Think about what they did. They figured out, okay, Tuka's coming back. Let's see if Tuka's got any game left. We like Tuka. Tuka likes us. Let's see what we got, right? They knew they had Swayman, and Swayman's a heck of a young goaltender. Heck of a young goaltender. So – you know, they, 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 you know, you have Swayman. So now, oh, you can't do it. Good well, Swayman's kept playing down in the minors. He's up. He's their number one goalie. <laughs> like, not, not all mark. He's the, like, you got you got Jeremy Swayman. So the boss Bruins, to me, if they can find that centerman that can play behind Bergeron. You know, they used to have a guy by the name of David Krejci. <laughs> like <laughs> If they could find that centerman, if they could find a guy to fit right in there, Oh boy, that would make that team that much stronger. And, you know, I, we, we all talk, Steve, you do, I do, everybody talks about big, bulky defensemen come play out. Front. Let's just put a check mark. Everybody would like a big, weighty defenseman come play. Like last year, Taylor Hall was the perfect acquisition for the Buffalo Sabres. A centerman would be the perfect acquisition for the Boston Bruins this year.
0: So for Don Sweeney, there was a time, maybe a month ago before this run, that the idea was similar to what the capitals just said in brian mcclellan we're not there yet we haven't proven that we're going all in we've changed our trade deadline plans so at one point it was if you're the bruins you know the debris thing hadn't sorted itself out in terms of production they didn't have the next creche it wasn't working and they weren't too sure of where they were they were clearly wild card one or two and maybe they were better than Washington, but a lot has changed. So what now changes over the next two weeks? Do you go for it with Bergeron heading into unrestricted free agency to try to, if you're a three or a four to be Florida or Tampa, are you willing to push those chips in if you are Don Sweeney? Well, I mean, you, you, it's not so much about what chips you're pushing. in;
1: it's the, what chips do I need to push in to make my team strong? What chip, what chips do I need to give myself a chance? Right? Like, the Bruins have been there, done that. You know, they have some really good player that The goaltending people might say, "Oh, Jeremy Swayman. Yeah, he's unproven." I get it. Like, you, you, like what goaltender started the NHL his career in the NHL playoffs and wasn't unproven? Right? You're unproven until you're proven, right? Like, but he's a good goalie. That's my assessment. So, I mean, I don't think that he's gonna like. I don't think there's a sense to go all in for for Don Sweeney, but explore what's there, and that's where I just say a centerman that can get in there that can play between Coyle and Bergeron. You know, Charlie Coyle's played quite fine there. You know, it's not like he hasn't been a, been a solid player. Get that sentiment. Know what you need. Know what you need to get to make your team better. That's what I think. I mean, so when so, so we stay on the East, right, and we look at these Rangers, Pittsburgh Penguins, like what are they all trying to do, right? But I don't, I, I don't think the Bruins have to go all in, but I think that they can make their team better and make them make themselves a harder out. If you can make yourself a harder out, that's giving yourself a better chance.
0: So before we break and talk to our friends at Sports Interaction, we'll deal with the West and the Stars and the Ducks and Minnesota uh, in just a second. But since you mentioned the Bruins and we've done a focus of the East to begin first of the leakage in Toronto, Capitals not going all in, how good the Rangers are, Caroline, we've kind of really spaced everything out. And you mentioned Boston and center. I haven't heard the name Claude Giroux mentioned with Boston. Is that a no-go, a no-fit? Is it up to him and he wouldn't go there? There's too much of Philly-Boston animosity? Or do you think that when you place Giroux, Colorado, St. Louis, Minnesota, Boston, that that's also a good fit that has not yet publicly been discussed, Craig?
1: Well, here's what I would say. We talk about animosity. Is the animosity, do Chuck Fletcher and Don Sweeney go and fight? Do they they have boxing matches? There's no animosity between managers. And just because there's been a long history of a great competitive battle between the two cities, Don Sweeney's trying to do what's best for his team. Chuck Fletcher needs to do a lot of work to get his team a, a lot improved. I don't know where Claude Giroux is at. You know what? All I know is, Steve, and I've said this to you, if I'm Don Sweeney, Chuck, Don here. You know what? What would it take to get room? And, and, and Chuck goes, listen, I've talked to him. We've been working on this for a while. You know, you're not really on his list, right? I mean, I told you the story. Lou Lamoureux asked me, asked me to ask a player if he would wait. Then he asked me if he could talk to the player. I never let him. <laughs> no, not happening. <laughs> you know, but I did talk to the player. I a couple of different times, uh, two different players about it. right? At the end of the day, Steve, that's what you do. Your job is not to worry about animosity or anything. Find out what the cost is. Is Cole Drew a center? Oh, yeah, yeah, he fit. (laughs) Find where the fits are, figure out what the cost is, and then understand if it's something you want to do or not.
0: Jake Debrusque, like, how does this play out? Like, this is the this is the pimple that's ready to pop. Do they do they just let it dissolve on its own? Would a trade involve Jake Debrusque to get a Claude Giroux? Do you trade him now? He still wants to move. It is the elephant in the room, but it's Jake Debrusque, so it's a baby elephant because he's a little guy and he's he can do a lot of really good things. It, it, it's awkward when you're winning and he's scoring and he wants out. Look into your crystal ball here because well, this is. I don't rare. know if he wants out
1: anymore, Steve. He said. He said that uh, things changed and everything. I'll tell you what: if I'm Don Sweeney and it's the same thing, I say, just play. I understand what your sentiments are, but you're playing. And if you really want to, if you really want to leave, whether it be now or later on or in the summer, you better play good. I'm not trading you on your terms; you're on my terms. End the story.
0: All right, time now for KB on Ice, cool button, an inside look at the NHL, brought to you by our good friends at Sports Interaction. Craig, as you know, Sports Interaction is. Canada's sports book on this day, five games. Where do you want to, a lot of intriguing matchups, Craig? How are you going to spend your Sazich tonight? Well, I was right and I was wrong last week. I was right on Hammond keeping the score
1: down against uh, the Calgary Flames. He played an excellent game, but I owe you dinner because you went straight up on penguins, right? So, like, you know, I won, but I lost, but I didn't really lose because it's dinner it with you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going flames at home. Against the Oilers. You know what? They're going 11 points up on the Oilers. They're going up 11 points on the Oilers. And they're leaving the Oilers way in the rearview mirror. And to me, you watch that game Saturday night where the Oilers played against Montreal. T- and, and they don't think they have a goaltending problem. Like, give me a break. <laughs> like, give me a break. So, Flames at home 11 points ahead of the Oilers after Monday night.
0: Well, I'm just a glutton for punishment. And the definition of insanity is doing the same thing again and again and looking for different results. That might be Ken Holland with his goaltending situation. For whatever reason, other than Gretzky against Guy Lafleur in 81, Edmonton can't beat Montreal. But tonight, just for – and giggles, I'm going to take the Edmonton Oilers. The only way they're going to win is an ugly 4-3-5-4 game. I'm going to take the Oilers. You're going to take the Flames. There's another dinner that's on the line. I'm a glutton for punishment, Craig. I'm going right at you head-to-head.
1: I like it. We went head-to-head last week, though. But you said a 4-3 game? I mean, the owners are going to give up five. So you better say a 6-5 or 7-5 game.
0: Uh, Hopefully, Mario or you-know-who... Uh, 66 is at that game uh, whether you want to bet on that game or anything else check out all the odds props and totals at sia.com that's sia.com and sign up today like everybody else is doing at sportsinteraction.com forward slash cool button pod to place your bet because sports interaction is canada's sports book all right we talked about the east and debrusque and the leafs and the capitals and penguins and everything else in the west craig what have we learned? Well, we know Colorado's going to win the division. That's a gimme flames are in a very good spot. I don't know if you're giving them the Pacific. And then we've got the races. Have we learned so far that we are getting what we thought all year, five central teams in the playoffs. And if that's the case, what is the stars strategy with pending UFAs? Are they going all in to say playoffs or bust? And of course that's Joe Pavelski and John Klingberg. What do you think?
1: Well, so so I, I and I will continue to reiterate this. You know, you look at the Dallas Stars. You look at Tom Galliardi. Like you know, to me, it's not just about the playoffs this year. It's about what does it mean to make the playoffs this year for your business moving forward. You know, they they, they were in the Stanley Cup final. They weren't able to take advantage of any type of revenue opportunity last year. You know, a different challenge. So to me, you know, unless you're getting unless you're getting a return on John Klingberg and Joe Pavelski that makes you absolutely go. Oh, I have to do this. There's no way at this point in time, if I'm Jim nail that I'm trading those players. There's no way. And, and if I'm going to go, and unless, unless and I, I will qualify this, unless Tom Galliardi comes in and says, you know, get something for me. Unless my owner comes in and says, get something for them, I'm not trading those two guys. There's no way, because what am I going to do? Get, get something that's going to help me in three years' time? Well, that's great. You know, your team's playing well. Your team's playing hard. Pavelski's a top performer. Klingberg's good. Bottom line is is, I'm not doing it. I'm not trading those guys. Not doing it.
0: Can you believe how good Jason Robertson is?
1: Yes, I can. He was the top player in the OHL. I'm not surprised one bit. He was runner-up for the Rookie of the Year last year. Like, what, why should anybody be surprised? It's like asking me, oh, were you surprised Kaprizov was good last year? Are you surprised Kaprizov was good? Enough? No, he was a really good player coming to the NHL. No, I'm not surprised.
0: Four in a row for Dallas, back-to-back hat tricks. They're in the wild card one spot, but it's tight. So the Dallas strategy with their UFAs, where are we, if anything's changed on Nashville wildcard two at press time and Phillip Forsberg, and it feels different. Like Dallas has decided what they're doing and they know what they're doing. In Nashville, we think we know what they're doing. Um, what is that, Craig? What, what is that plan with them? and a great Swedish sniper.
1: Well, I I think it's the same thing, Steve. I think it's the same exact thing as Dallas. Do you want to go and just trade your team? Do you want to just go move your your player? Like, I mean, like, I think we talked at the outset of this show about making the playoffs, 16 teams. You're one of 16 teams. you got to be realistic about, okay, where do we fit? Is Nashville as good as Tampa Bay? No. But what? You're not going to say, no, making the playoffs doesn't matter? Really? Sorry, I'm not, again, same strategy for me. Unless Philip Forsberg has got a massive return for me that I go on, I'm keeping him. I'll deal with it in the summer. Why why do we never talk about this in the NFL? Oh, they got a player that's going to be unrestricted in the summer, free agent, we better trade him. No, it's about now. And there's less teams that make the playoffs in the NFL. Like, worry about today. Worry about today. No, I'm not worried about getting somebody that might help me in three or four years if everything goes right.
0: However, you're saying that because of the realism of Nashville and Dallas in the playoffs. If we go further down the depth chart with Pat Verbeek and the Ducks, do you then say that situation is way different with Ricard Raquel, Hampus Lindholm, Josh Manson and everything else, that he is in a situation where We're behind a lot of those teams, including Dallas and Nashville, the realism of finished third in the Pacific, that he has almost basically set the table to his fan base about his strategy, that he is in a different position. And if he is, do you like what he said or not like what he said in relation to his pending UFAs? Because you've been on the record of saying, keep them and go for it. Are you saying the same thing to Pat Verbeek and the Ducks? So like every situation is different and you're right, Steve, like it depends on what, what I like about
1: Pat love about Pat is he's made it very clear. There's clarity. <laughs> here's what I'm doing. If we, if we get these players signed, we're, we're, we're going to keep them. If I don't get them signed, I'm going to, I'm going to attempt to trade them. He, he's very clear. Pat's not going to go in there and fiddle with the dials. Pat doesn't kid himself. He's never kidded himself. He's not going to kid the fan base. He's going to go right in there and say, here's what I'm doing. I love it. So and he's in control. He's not waiting and hoping and everything. They played more games than the other teams. I think they're. I I thought they were starting to run on fumes anyway with some of their younger players. A normal course of action. So to me, Pat's set the course. I'm going to talk to my players about resigning them if we can do it. Great. If not, I'm trading them. I love it. There it all is. And you know what else he does? He makes sure everybody keeps phoning them. Maybe the prices, maybe he gets even a bigger return, right? Because he keeps saying, you know, here." and and where do the players want to play? It's also a negotiating strategy, too. Do the players want to leave? Do they want to go? Like, Patty's in full control here. I love it.
0: There is so much intrigue and excitement in the West. And one of the games of the year was Calgary 4, Colorado 3 in overtime. Dan Vladar got the start and played very well. Uh, even on the first goal, he made an unbelievable first save, but they couldn't clear the rebound. Do games like that teach us anything? Is, is those who didn't believe in the Flames, even at 13-1-1 one one now, do they? Did we learn that the Flames are winning the Pacific Division? Some of your takeaways from a great night Saturday, I was just wowed, glued to the set. It was unbelievable. The McKinnon goal was great. It was It was was playoff hockey. Made me think, forget Vegas and Colorado in the third round. Calgary and Colorado in the third round. Not only is realistic, uh, it might be a better matchup because the Flames are healthy and playing great hockey right now, Craig. What do you mean a better matchup? Are you kidding yourself?
1: It might be a better matchup. The Flames are way better than the Vegas Golden Knights. Give me a break. Steve, I told you this from the outset of the year, okay? Don't put your chips in on the Vegas Golden Knights. What have they shown you to make you put chips in on the Vegas Golden Knights? Please tell me, because I'm really intrigued, because they've shown me nothing. They've shown me nothing. In fact, they've given me every, even more conviction not to put a chip in on them. That might be a better matchup than Vegas, Colorado. Give me a break. Colorado, Calgary's a better team than the Vegas Golden Knights. Here's what I would say. You know, it's funny. Oh, can you believe Daniel Sutter started dead? Yeah. Bl- like, did you watch the game Thursday night against the Montreal Canadiens? Markstrom was no good. He caught, like he was, the, Calgary wasn't great, but Markstrom was was poor. You know what Dale's going to do? Dan? you're the guy tonight. He's given like, I, I cannot believe how people just make blanket assumptions about things. It blows my mind, Steve. I'm like, can you believe he didn't start Markstrom? Yeah, I can believe he didn't start Markstrom because he didn't believe Markstrom gave him the best chance to win. They, they were terrible. Calgary was really poor against uh Montreal. In fact, to get a point out of that game was like winning the lottery. But that's the beautiful thing about Daryl. We're on to the next game. We're going in there, right? And it's no different than Monday night. Hey, let and I, I know where Daryl's at. Daryl Daryl's in the full full bury the Oilers boat bury them. He he knows that a win tonight just puts Edmonton clearly out of the view of uh, of, of Calgary and and adds misery to what the, what what the you know is. Adds more misery to the Edmonton Oilers. That's how Daryl's wired, and the, and the, and and that game, like is 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 two really really good. Here's the word, hard teams, hard teams, hard teams. If you're hard, you got a chance to win the playoffs. That's why I don't have my chips on Vegas. I don't think they're a hard team.
0: Well, I was one of the people that thought, wow with Dan Vladar and it shows you about Daryl believing in himself and his program over the years and how to deal with players about saying that, no, Jacob, you, you didn't earn this start. And if we're going to win the division and ready ourselves for the playoffs, we're not going to run one goalie anyway. And this is why we've got two. it showed faith in Vladar and he answered the bell for Daryl. And that's what makes Daryl Daryl. And that's the great thing about expecting the unexpected in hockey. And it was fun. It was great. It also sent a message because at the same time as Vladar is playing and winning the game, Darcy Kemper doesn't play well. And then Jared Bednar pulls his number one goalie uh, who clearly didn't like it. It's the story within the game, which I love. As you mentioned, Edmonton and Calgary, we're now two weeks from the deadline they're playing tonight. The countdown is on where are you and me in two weeks of getting anybody, like, is the ship sailed? Will Kenny well, do anything out of desperation now later? Or is he pot committed to these two guys in net no matter whatever happens because he hasn't done anything yet? What leads us to believe that he'll do anything over the next two weeks? I'm going to say two things.
1: I'm going to just – I love the fact that you talked about Daryl having confidence in himself. Like, I, I just love that because ultimately as a coach, he does. And it's like, here's where I'm at. He's, he's got a feel for his team. Now we're going to go to Edmonton. You know, somebody asked me this the other day. They said you surprised Koskinen is playing well. I said, no, he played well at the beginning of the year. And uh, I said, but guess what? I'm, I'm not going to be surprised when he doesn't play well. <laughs> I said, here, "Here, here's the problem that I have, is that don't be surprised when you get the bad and the good and the bad shows up at the wrong times, right? Like, it's not surprising to know that he's play- he has played good. I don't want that in a goaltender. I don't want that in my goaltending. And I'm shocked that Kenny has that in his goaltender. I'm shocked. Like, you, you watch Mike Smith on Saturday night versus Montreal? Oh, boy. Ooh. Like, seriously, okay. If that's where you want to put your chips, Kenny has shown no signs that he's going to go. Now, maybe, maybe he doesn't think there's an upgrade there. Maybe he thinks the cost is too high. I don't know. But the Edmonton Oilers, the Edmonton Oilers are not, are not a lock for the playoffs.
0: Oh, I know, Craig. Uh, I know. I'm with you. Doing the math, looking at the schedule, watching the way they play, what's going on with their goaltending. It's um, it's a dogfight. Like it, it, it's in a dogfight. They, they want the Ducks to sell off as long as what they're selling off doesn't stay in the conference if it heads east. I mean, who would have thunk it after what happened Saturday, even though there's a game in hand? It's 62 for the Canucks, and the Oilers are at 64. Like, Can you believe it? With every win that Bruce Boudreaux is throwing, some type of wrench into the Western playoff picture. And one of the teams we've liked from the get go that is reeling is Minnesota. And they are now at two wins in their last 10. They're at 67. Dallas is right there. Nashville's right there. At one point, it was Minnesota finishing a strong second and maybe getting home ice against St. Louis. Craig, the wild, A, a blip on the radar. Don't panic or for what we thought of maybe their overachievingness because they said they're built for the playoffs. There's a lot to like about this four-line team. It's now the time for Billy Garrett to strike that his team needs it most because they're a team that I've liked a lot. But at some times in this streak, I've said to myself, "Uh uh-oh, we talk about leaking oil and the teams that are leaking oil. Minnesota is a team that's, uh, if they're not leaking oil, they've had a flat tire, Craig. Do you change the tire? Do you upgrade the rims? And the good years to you know Firestones on the Minnesota Twins car.
1: Well, uh, you know I've I liked the Minnesota Wild. I've liked the way they played, but you, you cannot like what they've done in the last uh, dozen games. You just can't. Bill Garen and Bill Garen must be talking to Kyle Dubis every day. Like, what is our real team, Kyle? What is what is the real Maple Leafs? What is the real Wild? Because you've seen such really good evidence of good team, right? Now you're here. And he got two weeks up to the deadline, right? We talk about Boston. They're in a different place, right? They're going, whoa, oh boy, we're rolling along. What can we do, right? These other teams are going, what should we do? Oh, my, Like, what are we? Who are we, right? And, I, and that, you ask about being a manager when you're not sure and you're, not, and you're trying to figure out what my team really is, you know, that I think is a real challenge for Bill Guerin. I said all the way through, I felt that they needed a little bit more offense. What is it? Eleven straight games. Have you enough three goals or more? Eleven straight. Like I mean, while maybe I'm wrong in that regard, right? <laughs> you know. So I, I think, and we've talked about Minnesota. We like a lot of the things that they. I, I think something has to come in there. Something has to come in there. That because next year with that with that dead cap space with Parisian and Suter, you're in a different place next year. He he has an opportunity to strike in, in, in like in a significant way. And I, I, I think that to give his team a chance like that, because uh, you know how he moved, I, I admire. I like the team. I like the way Billy's put a stamp on. I love what Dean Everson has done. But missing the playoffs for the Minnesota Wild, can you imagine that thought? And right huh. now, they're trending that way.
0: Oh, huh. it's it's so much fun. It's so intriguing. More fun for us because it doesn't matter who's up or who's down, but watching the west especially and what happens over the next 25 games uh will provide so much entertainment it is so much fun don't touch the playoffs we like what we're seeing right now even though some fan bases do not before we say goodbye time now for final thoughts brought to you by ultimate hockey fans not a person or a group of people but a must-have for every hockey basement For more information, go to ultimatehockeyfans.com for our discount, ultimatehockeyfans.com forward slash cool button pod. Oh, ceiling fans, puck, light, fixtures. You want it, you got it. Craig, what's on your mind for final thoughts today from beautiful God's country there in Northern Alberta? Yeah, I'm right in the mountains, right in the
1: Canadian Rocky Mountains. Steve had a little bit of downhill skiing. It was beautiful, epic. Yesterday, some cross-country skiing. I'm not into the biathlon. I don't, I've never shot a gun or a rifle, So, but uh, just beautiful. Anyway, that being said, you know where I'm at? You know, I'll tell you where I'm at. And I've been, I've been, I've been with them. I, I've been with them for a while now, the LA Kings, the LA Kings. That's where I'm at. I've said that with their cap space, I think we talk about clarity. I think Rob Blake has real opportunity there. He's got lots of currency. to to look in many different directions. And to me, the LA Kings, I've been so impressed with what they do. Jonathan Quick, Kopitar, Doughty, but that group has been a really, really good group. You mentioned Arvidsson. I'm watching my eyes are on the LA Kings because I think that they can, they can unsettle and, and, and be one of those teams that upsets the balance of power in the West.
0: And it's funny at times when they started one in five, you know, people jumped off their early wagon. It's a wasted season. Play the kids. What about this? Uh, how Rob Blake has stuck to it. The moves that he's made then bringing in when he got healthy Byfield, Sean Dursey has been a great pickup going back oh. to developing him after, uh, the muzen trade Philip to like there, there's a lot to like, and they, he's got, he's got the assets to do something. And we've talked about chicken before we've talked about the sexiness of, trading a prospect before they might become a suspect. Not everyone has a cupboard full of A-plus prospects. It doesn't work that way, no matter how you want to slice it and dice it. Uh, Craig, I have the Kings on my list too, so I love the great minds think alike. I'll just slightly go into the East and talk about the Rangers. When you've got just Durkin and that kind of star power and you like what you've got, don't stop doing something because you're ahead of the curve on, you know, the letter to the fans and where you are. Like the Rangers still could beat the Penguins in a playoff series and give Carolina a go or like, why not? When you got that goaltending and have that star power and you've got a few guys banged up, if there's something there that makes sense, whether it is a JT Miller, whether it is a certain defenseman that's available that everybody wants, I say, why not? If it makes sense, don't do something. Now, if you're saying to yourself, we're not sure that, you know, there's a band of Jads and the Panarins and the Tubas and, and whatnot they're, they're craters they're not kids they're still players who are playing very well now so what they end up doing with chris drury your buddy who you acquired uh, intrigues me at one point i just thought the analytics would catch up to them that's clearly not the case um they could make some noise in this year's playoffs uh and, and it's so intriguing where so many of these teams are at um the kings to me though craig what what do you do do you use some of those prospects now do you pull the trigger on a Big deal to bring in a Jacob Chicron. Is that sexy to you? If not that, who's the next guy in the TSN trade bait board to go? Who gets this thing going for all of us, Mr. Button?
1: I, I I'm not really sure. I'm not really sure because I think a lot of, you know, a lot of it gets tagged with unrestricted rate. Like I, like I said, like if I'm the Dallas Stars, I'm not trading Klingberger Pavelski unless I'm getting a massive return. So, like, you know, so shouldn't there be a caveat there? I mean, I see on the TSN trade bait board Toronto's first round draft pick. Well, why wouldn't other teams first round draft pick be in play? I mean, like, seriously, like what Toronto's the only one with a first round draft pick. Give me a break. You know, so like, you know, we got a list of players there and everything. I get it and and whatnot. Here's what I'm just going to finish with the, with the LA Kings. He's got multiple options. He, He can go in so many different directions because he's got a team there. And he's, as you said, the assets, the currency, whatever you want to call it, he's got it to me. That's a great, and he's got the cap space. Oh, talk about a great spot to be! You might have Mark Bergerman whispering in his ear, hey, Rob, Rob, look what happened to my team last year in Montreal. We went all the way to the Stanley Cup final. Maybe this could happen here.
0: (laughs) Hey, I love it. And this, there's so much focus on the ice and the players and what the teams are doing in the standings. But especially in March, Craig, and you know it, over the next two weeks, a lot of pressure on the GMs. Let's see which GMs deliver now. This is go time. This is the time. You wanna sit in that chair and you make decisions. You will make life altering, franchise altering decisions. And we'll applaud the ones that get it right. And we'll probably point the fingers at those that don't. Uh, I'm not looking for excuses. I'm looking for results. And let's see what some of these uh, managers do, Craig. uh, Maybe the most important time of the year this has been a lot of fun. Can't wait as the countdown to the deadline continues. For Craig Button, I'm Steve Galias, episode 45 in the books. We'll see you in here at 46 later this week. Ciao.